It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. Very good day. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. It is a rather nice-looking 17th of February 2023 today. Well, our weather has gone from being freezing to being very, very acceptable. It's uh, been very, very nice. Even managed a, a bit of time on the beach today, which is absolutely wonderful. Okay, so first of all, we'll travel west for about an hour and find out uh, whether the weather's the same for Rob. How are you today, Rob, and what's your weather like? Yeah, hi, Vince. Hi, everybody. Oh, the weather today's been beautiful, Vince. Um, it's like it's like springtime, isn't it? But it does cool down on a night still. Um, and there's a lot of people, I've got a bit of a snuffle myself, but there's a lot of people um, catching colds and things because of the, cha- the change is quite drastic, isn't it, from the day to the night. But uh, no, during the day, it's absolutely lovely. It is. And uh, so we're going first today, looking at some uh, something going back into the history books a little, a little bit uh, from the north of England, I'm told. So, Rob, where are you going with this one? Right, Vince. Well, we'll start off with Bolton Wanderers, um, who were one of the original 12 founding members of the F- Football League, which was founded in 1888. They're now in League One, which is the old third division. But they played their, their 5,000th league match um, away against Peterborough United last Saturday. And they're only the fifth team that's ever, um, that's ever played 5,000 league matches in the world. The others being Burnley, Preston North End, Derby County and Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, Burnley broke two of their own records against Preston North End. So, two it's like a local derby, but two of the original members. And Burnley broke their, two of their own records um, by playing Preston North End at the weekend. Um, they beat Preston 3-0, which beats their previous uh, club record of um, games won in succession to 13. And that was actually set in 1913. And they also beat their own previous record by scoring in 28 consecutive games which the last time they um, they beat that record, 27 consecutive games, the last time they did that was 1926. So we're going back quite a long time there, aren't we? But um, And also Burnley, um, they got 69 points at the moment with 32 matches, 16 games left. They could get a maximum of 116 points, which will be the record for a championship, league, uh, championship team to come up to the Premier League. So, uh, yeah, um, interesting weekend for the original teams in the football league great great stories there as we turn our attention to uh, referees after a very very bizarre and ridiculous uh, couple of couple of decisions over the weekend in the premier league i was reading uh, one particular um, referee was saying you're always one a decision away from a smack in the teeth. This is in the lower leagues. And then this morning I'm reading that referees in four English grassroots leagues are set to wear body cams uh, in what the Football Association says is the first such trial in the world. Have you seen this particular report that I'm reading from? Um, no, I haven't seen that particular one, Vince, But about body cams. But I have been um, reading up quite a lot about uh, lower league referees. Because there's a programme coming out in March. Now, I think it's the BBC that made it, but it's called In the Middle. And it's about grassroots amateur referees. 
and it follows um, a group of referees of all different backgrounds, apparently, throughout the whole, the whole of a season. And they do get threatened a lot. Um, I, I know from my uh, ex-student now friend, Mr. Uh, Miguel Arsenio Garcia, he was a referee. He's just retired this season, actually, last season. But he was a referee in the uh, Segunda Bay, which is um, the second division B, third division, if you like. But he started off really at the lower ranks. And he used to get assaulted quite often. He can put up, he can stick up for himself. But uh, yeah, referees are often getting um, attacked at that that level because there's nobody there really to control them. And apparently, the parents of children's matches are worse than the kids. So uh, yeah, but there's been there's been some really um, dreadful refereeing in the Premier League um, with the VAR decisions and that. I think and match changing decisions as well, weren't they this weekend? Um, so yeah, it's. Not looking good, I don't think, for referees. Have you heard about the uh, Spanish referee um, scandal? Um, no. Right, well, this is an ex-vice president of the uh, Comité de Arbitros, which is the referees committee, and he's called uh, Enrique Negreira, and he's a Catalan, and he has been paid um, 6.7 million euros by Barcelona between 2001 and 2018. Now, this is what the official thing is for scouting reports and referee assessments. 6.7 million. It's unlikely that any other action will be taken against him, especially by the Football Federation, because there's nothing illegal about what he's done. It's very suspicious, though, isn't it? And um, that, that's the end of the Spanish tax authorities. are looking into the financial aspect um, to see if they can get anywhere with that. But Barcelona, I think, will get away with it because they always do. Well, I think the problem really is many times uh, we've said, probably m- me worse than y- yourself, um, that, you know, uh, brown envelopes uh, could easily have been involved in certain decision-making. Now, mm. um, the thing for me that really is um, not easy to understand is that the referees are uh, fine, they'll make mistakes. I think most people will accept that. Um, and now and again, we would maybe raise our eyebrows and look for the brown envelope. But... If you then have a uh, something that happens on the pitch, which everybody knows is crucial, either in defence of a decision going against you or in favour of you depending on the situation. All I can tell you is that, you know, most people like myself find it very, very bizarre that nobody hears how the decision which goes in the face of everything that we see on our television screen, the pundits see, the pundits explain what they see, and then we wait for the VAR with bated breath and we come up with some ridiculous decision. So referees are colluding with their own in order to come up with these bizarre decisions, which might well affect betting syndicates and anything around the world. It's a bit too well, dodgy it, yes, for me. It, it, oh, it's, it's, it's very dodgy, isn't it, Vince, I think. Um, but fortunately now, the uh, chief refereeing officer is Howard Webb, the ex-referee. And he's only just taken over the job. Um, I think he took over in the new year. And he's actually apologised for the uh, bad refereeing decisions at the weekend. And uh, he's going to look into it personally. He's gonna, there's there's um, a, a guy called um, Lee Mason, who is a, a VAR official. And it looks like he's going to be sacked um, because he's one of the ones who makes all of the wrong decisions. And um, in one of the ones, I think it was the Ivan Tony offside 
um, decision where the goal stood for Brentford, but there was another player offside while the uh, while it was going on who interfered with play. Is they draw the lines on you know these lines you see for offside. Yeah, I thought they were computer generated. Um, but apparently they're not. They're, they're actually generated by the people in the VAR box to see if there is an offside or not. And the guy who was in charge of drawing the lines drew it in the wrong place. So, uh, I mean, it's either incompetence or something very strange going on. But, um, yeah, it was a very bad weekend for uh, refereeing all round. And it will have an effect on the um, on the results at the end of the season. Well, it will have. And, of course, we'll all always have question marks and doubts over any decisions which are so tight these days that really we're talking nose hair or armpit hair, uh, putting somebody either onside or offside, which is nonsensical. Um, yeah, but if, if you draw the line in the wrong place, though, Vince, I mean, that's... <laughs> well, that's incompetence. Well, he, 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 should, he should be sacked for that. It's I either think, incompetence yeah. or somebody's paying you to be incompetent. I really yeah. don't feel there's any other way around that. Um, I mean, you, you you can have an honest mistake, uh, but this is happening every single time we watch the games on TV. Now, uh, we go to George Orwell, of course, who was saying that we'll all be talking about football instead of talking about maybe other things. And I think that could well be partly to do with all this. But to go back to the study that I was talking about in the paper, which is really mm. nothing to do with the Premier League situation, um, it was by the president of the Referees Association in England. Uh, they distributed a questionnaire to 7,000 members and the um, abuse of match officials was having a significant impact on their mental health. And they are only, and as I quoted when we started, ever one decision away from a smack in the mouth. Um, one day in this country, a referee will lose his or her life. It happened in Holland a few years ago, and they really changed their culture in football. Uh, now, let me just also add in, I can remember going back to the time when I was playing Sunday League football, and invariably you'd have the most horrible uh, experiences from people, you know, suffering broken legs and people uh, obviously being beaten up by bullies in the league, etc., etc. And I think that, um, you know, these poor referees, uh, they, they never have been really given enough um, thanks for what they do. Uh, in this particular instance, more than 900 referees in England responded to the Radio 5 Live questionnaire with 293 saying they'd been physically abused by spectators, players, coaches or managers. All I can tell you is it all goes in line with the sort of thuggery that goes with the game now and again. And unfortunately, I think the non-league football will always be worse than anywhere else. So you, by all means, you can put the body cams up there and I'm sure that it won't um, be a detriment, but uh, you'll still get these people. People go out on a Sunday and uh, they've been drinking on Saturday. And unfortunately, once a thug, always a thug. It's just that it's a great place to go and practice your thuggery. So yeah. I, I won't be too surprised if nothing really dynamic happens down the leagues but something has got to happen to change the VAR decision-making progress, um, which hasn't been any progress at all as far as I can see this year. In fact, I think we're going backwards. I think we've all seen uh, what Michael, uh, Mikel Arteta must have felt like. We had it with uh, Klopp. 
Um, and I'm sure all the other managers feel the same. You know, when anybody of a normal, uh, even with poor eyesight, can still see enough of the decision-making to say, no, that's wrong. Um, sadly, they're just not getting it right. OK, Rob, mm. um, well, let's go next to um, the Saudi Arabians, because, quite frankly, I remember picking up this particular bit of information. I thought, um, now, how come they're also involved in the Ladies' World Cup? So, uh, did, tell me, what exactly is their involvement having sort of... Ah, come on, Qatar's just round the corner. Just let's not kid each other. There's something that's going on, trying to change the way um, football is played around the world. They want to suddenly find the the Arabs. You know, they'll be playing. Uh, people will be playing in teams on camelback, I think, eventually. But uh, tell me what's gone on. Right, Vince. Well, this is this is to do with the uh, Women's World Cup, which is being held um, in Australia and New Zealand between July the twentieth, well, yeah, July the twentieth and the twentieth of August of this year, twenty twenty-three. And um, Saudi Arabia have come in as last-minute sponsors um, with the slogan "Visit Saudi." And the other sponsors, the main sponsor, Coca-Cola, um, Visa, and Adidas, and a, um, a company called Manga, I think they called it. I don't know what they do, but. Um, they are all involved in promoting equality in sport and they're not happy at all that Saudi Arabia has been allowed to come in as a last-minute sponsor. Apparently, they were voted in unanimously um, by the FIFA board, um, which, again, um, could be slightly suspicious. But, uh, yeah, so Saudi Arabia are going to be one of the official sponsors of the Women World Cup. And uh, I think uh, their human rights record on uh, women's rights and things like that, um, I don't really think it's the right the right place to uh, sponsor them, do you? But, uh, well, look, when, when we see uh, the football teams eventually playing in ehabs, um, you know, or veils or whatever else they want to bring in, maybe people will be alerted to the fact that this was not a good decision. By all means, we know that the Saudis have got money. They've got virtually every other sport that you can mention they're, they're getting, yeah, they're, you know, mm-hmm. the world yeah, heavyweight they've just, fights. They've just been given the World, the world Club Cup for this year um, as the Saudis just last week. You see, and whilst all that's going on, so at least we can keep our eyes on that one and hopefully, you know, people will not be too kidded. Don't let's forget that Manchester United is probably uh, up for grabs with uh, the Saudis, probably in the mix. Um, we know that um, Newcastle United has fallen and uh, Manchester City has fallen. Um, Liverpool will be looking for investors, so I would imagine there'll be some um, uh, shaky money around that sort of area. I mean, the thing is, you can see that there's um, an American stroke, Saudi stroke, uh, that part of the world money trying to take over the Premier League. Not because of mm. the football, but because of the money. Nothing more for me. Yes, indeed. Um, Leeds have got Americans at the moment, but I think they're thinking about selling and there's a lot of Arab interest as well. So, yes, it is for the the people who buy into the Premier League, if you like, who buy the clubs and everything. It's it's generally about money, nothing else, isn't it? Well, I, I you see, I wouldn't uh, really understand why the government can't turn on and say, sorry, um, we're only having English owners. There's enough people with money. Um, who are either English or from the British Isles. Maybe we'll leave it as loose as that. Um, but, I mean, we've gone down the road of the oligarchs from Russia. 
Have we not learned anything from it? Don't the Russians back the Saudis when it comes to their politics as well? I have a feeling that they do. Uh, so if this is the case, then don't be surprised if halfway uh, into one season, if this all goes ahead, um, and maybe a couple of other Saudi um, uh, uh, people are uh, owners of the football clubs in the Premier League, don't be surprised if uh, some political event supersedes the football and then we get another situation like Chelsea. That's my prediction. Yeah, that's it. Could quite easily happen, couldn't it, Vince? The uh, instability that we've got in the world, and um, yes, to, I, I personally, uh, my personal view is there are far too many conglomerates, foreign conglomerates, um, involved in the uh, top flights of uh, football. Not not just in uh, England, but uh, they don't not in Germany, but they are in France. I mean, Paris Saint Germain is uh, is owned by uh, the Qatari government, I think, isn't it? Mm. Um, which can pull, pull lots of strings, which is possibly why they got the World Cup there. You know, it, it's all going on in the background, but there's far too much of it for my liking. OK, I totally agree with you. And uh, let me just uh, clear the decks here and hopefully uh, I can then give you the next uh, part of the of what I've got prepared. Um, I'm looking at uh, a report which caught my eye and it's more the way that it's been written than anything else. Um, I don't know whether or not, um, uh, where are we? No, I've not got the, the I, I, I should be getting the page to you, but unfortunately my pages are not coming up like I'm asking them to. Um, yes, okay, I've got it now. Um, this is something that caught my eye, and uh, really this is to do, I said I've got it now, this is to do yeah. with the way that things are reported and they are designed by the journalists to create, um, you know, uh, somebody getting a bit cross or, you know. The, the one that caught my eye, Luis Suarez, Sparks, Mass Brawl, as Army, all capital letters, forced onto the pitch to intervene. OK, so the very least I would expect was Luis Suarez to have bitten somebody on the neck or something because of the way everything else was all done in the past uh, or, you know, something along those lines. And uh, the army, I would imagine, have had to sort of come in to uh, quell just about anything that you could um, decide is going to happen. But it then tells you s sort of uh, the next part of the story. Luis Suarez joined Gremio in December, uh, but uh, was at the heart uh, he was at the heart of a mass brawl during their win against Avenida that eventually needed the army to protect the referee. So, the third time within a paragraph they've repeated this. Luis Suarez contributed to a mass brawl during Gremio's win against Avenida that eventually saw the army rush onto the pitch. Now, we'll get to the story now. There were three goes at trying to discredit somebody who was, and still is, a pretty good footballer. The former Liverpool and Barcelona star is playing out the final years of his career in South America with the Brazilian club. He's enjoyed a promising start, but his antics and quick thinking on the pitch angered the opposition, who took their feelings out on the referee. Suarez received a quick free kick in the attacking third and squared the ball to teammate Frances Cristaldo to score as the Avenida players were still facing up. 
The goal was allowed to stand, which incensed the visitors and then quickly surrounded the official. Now, that sounds to me like the same sort of quick thinking that we would be applauding. I remember there was one particular moment when uh, Trent Alexander took a quick corner. and The ball was taken across and uh, we scored from a, a corner. To me, that is nothing like uh, the way that the headline reads. What did you think when you first saw that? Well, what I thought is uh, Luis Suarez is always getting into scrapes, isn't he? And he still is now at 36 years old. Um, yeah, he's playing out the uh, final years of his career um, at this club, Gremio, in Brazil. At the top of the Brazilian league, apparently, at the moment. And, yeah, he took a free, he took a quick free kick while the uh, other team was still getting ready for the free kick to be taken. And a goal was scored after that. Um, but apparently, yes, the, the opposition fans, this team have a need, the opposition fans raided the pitch and were basically threatening to kill the uh, referee from what I can gather. And they have, they do have the army at uh, Brazilian um, matches because it's Brazil and um, it's very unpredictable, isn't it? Uh, pe- people are very hot-blooded, shall we say, there. And apparently yeah, the police had to, uh, sorry, the army did have to come on and sort of like do the crowd control, which you'd expect the police to do in uh, the Premier League, but they use the army in Brazil. And... Um, yeah, it's, it's just down to the fact that he took a quick free kick and the opposition supporters didn't like it. Um, and so they put, took it out on the referee. Yeah, Lu- Luis Suarez is always uh, making headlines, isn't he? He is. Now, quickly, I'll uh, add something to do with uh, Liverpool because uh, obviously he used to play for them, but this is not connected, I hasten to add. Um, This is a statement issued on Tuesday morning when Liverpool urged UEFA to implement all 21 of the critical recommendations suggested by the panel. Uh, Let me just go to the fact that this was after the uh, Champions League Cup final in which the French police... Uh, were busy um, spraying the Liverpool fans and creating all sorts of mayhem which should never have ever happened. Uh, And again, you see, we'll get UEFA who will be managing to whitewash everything that they had nothing to do with this really, although they do say that they can blame the French police. Well, that's quite convenient for UEFA, isn't it? But I mean, you know, once again, you've got the top um, officialdom in football completely and utterly ill at ease with uh, a big tournament. I mean, these people aren't fit for purpose, are they? Well, they're not really, are they, Vince? Um, I mean, a lot of these uh, top officials in uh, UEFA and in FIFA, don't, I don't think they know very much about football themselves, to be honest. Um, it's like a political position, isn't it, rather than uh, a sporting role. Um, and yes, this was uh, last last year's Champions League final, and uh, I actually I was watching it. I went to local sports bar to watch it um, on Spanish TV, and we knew the kickoff had been delayed because obviously it had been delayed for about half an hour, I think, in the end, wasn't it? But the uh, Spanish commentators actually said that it was the Liverpool supporters outside the ground um, who were causing the trouble. And then the following day, when it actually came uh, clear what what had actually happened. Um, and it was the French police who were spraying people with uh, tear gas and all sorts of things like that, weren't they? Hitting people randomly and things. Um, the Spanish TV actually apologised for what they'd said. 
um, the commentators have said, and the only reason they said it is because that's what they've been told by the French authorities what was happening. And obviously they're inside the ground waiting to commentate on the match. They couldn't see what was happening outside. So they took it as the literal truth and told everybody else. Fortunately, the following day they realised and uh, Spanish TV um, apologised profusely, really, um, for misleading um, the spectators, but also for insulting the Liverpool supporters. Yeah. Well, look, um, I think that um, when you've actually got a showpiece final like the UEFA situation, and let's be honest about it, I can remember uh, other big tournaments and things. I remember one in England uh, when there was a big tournament and uh, again, you know, uh, the officials let down the people that had honestly gone along um, and tried to just watch a football match. Now, you know, we are seemingly getting to a stage now where these things, I don't know, this is commonplace, isn't it? Well, um, in this day and age, especially after all the um, sort of tragic events that have happened in the past, that we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the Hillsborough thing, didn't we, again? You'd expect that the people in charge of the logistics of the uh, a big football match like that, I mean, let's face it, Champions League final is, is one of the biggest matches in the European calendar. And to get it wrong, um, yeah, they aren't fit for purpose, as you said at the beginning, I don't think. Um, there have got to be people who are better at it than them, let's face it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's incompetence at the highest level. And it's always, at the end of the day, it's always the poor supporter who gets it in the neck, isn't it? Um, one of one of the uh, local lads down here asked me uh, a couple of days ago when this came out into the Spanish press, um, why is it always Liverpool? Uh, so I just turned around to him and I said, look, it's because Liverpool's one of the best teams. They're, they're one of the few teams in England who actually get anywhere in Europe, uh, which which, sort of, which answered his question. But, uh, yeah, Liverpool have had a bad run, haven't they, really, over the last uh, 30 years or so? Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, because they're always getting to the top level. And um, hopefully that'll never happen again. But, uh, yeah, it was the uh, French police. I was logistics, but then the French police started tear-gassing people. Um Anybody who was standing in the anyone standing in line basically were just uh, randomly yeah. and hitting people and things like that, which isn't right. Well, I know when um, I was on the radio in France and we had the Heisel Stadium problem. I did have French people phoning in asking why all English people are hooligans, and obviously, um, you know, as you'd expect me to say, of course, all English people aren't hooligans, and football matches, um, I think. Around the world, it's tribal. I think there's enough research for everybody to realise that people um, seem to behave in a very, very strange, tribalistic way uh, when you've got football matches. And I don't think it's uh, any one particular country or any one particular faction, although obviously there are numbers of clubs who really are far worse than uh, anything that we've talked about here today, mm-hmm. um, including, of course, um, uh, the brigade that operate in Madrid, um, um, and then, of course, uh, in history, you've got uh, Chelsea and uh, Millwall fans. And, uh, you know, sadly, um, it, it does seem a shame that Liverpool have been involved because, in a general sense, our fans are not bad fans. No, no, I think, I think Liverpool fans are um, very loyal and uh, very decent people, I think, uh, in general. Obviously, there's going to be a few, but they're not one of the uh, teams you'd really associate with hooliganism. Um, not in the slightest. Um, when we're talking about um, fans and drink and things like that, 
they they cut that um well a few weeks ago we talked about um um Aaron Ramsdale getting kicked by a, a, a Spurs supporter when he was in the goal for Arsenal. Yeah. They've caught the Spurs guy. He's going to be banned from life from any football stadium in the UK. And um, he's also going to be sentenced um, next week. He'll probably get a, a prison sentence for it. Hopefully he will. But he'd had six pints before the match. Um, so there you go. Football and drink. Drink and football. Don't go together very well, do they? No, uh, and the funny thing is, you see, you can get plenty of people at a rugby match and they've had probably as much, if not more, beer down them and they don't seem to have the same problem. So there is they just, some... No, they just start, they start singing and enjoying themselves, don't they? <laughs> There's something about football. I'm not too sure where we put the correlation, but there we are. OK, well, look, let's go to your La Liga report next and uh, let us know what's going on in Spanish football. Here we go. Here's the jingle. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. Okay, Rob, over to you. Well, Vince, well, let's start off with the uh, FIFA World, uh, World Club Cup. Um, Real Madrid won the final at, on Saturday, 5-3 against a team called Al Halil. Um, who were from Saudi Arabia, I think, but definitely from over that side of the world. I don't know what how they chose the teams who were in the World Cup final, but um, it wasn't on merit, I don't think. But yeah, getting on to La Liga, um, La Liga's getting really interesting actually at the moment um, because there's Real Madrid are slightly behind on points, but they've got a game in hand but, but because they've got such a tight schedule. But what's really interesting, Barcelona on top, Real Madrid, then we've got Real Sociedad, my team, we've got Betis, um, and Atletico Madrid in the sort of top division up at the end of it. But down at the bottom, we mentioned Valencia last season, uh, last week, didn't we? Yeah. About how they're going through a bad time now. Valencia are now in a relegation position. They weren't last weekend, um, but they've gone down now. They're in 18th place. They've only got one point out of a possible 15 in the last five matches. We've got Elche at the bottom, which is my local team, who uh, are well cut adrift, but at least they're putting up a fight. They got beaten 4-1 four, four, the other day against Real Madrid. But um, you'd expect that away, especially. But the bottom part of the table, like in the Premier League, it's very, very tight. Um, between the 18th place, which is Valencia, and the um, the 11th place, which is Corona, there's only four points difference. So more or less the whole of the bottom half, with Elche more or less cut off at the bottom of the drift, any of those teams, they're all in a relegation battle already. So, yeah, it's, it's looking really interesting. And uh, this weekend, we've got coming up, we've got uh, Real Madrid playing away at Osasuna, which is in Pamplona, and they will put up a fight because they're very proud in Pamplona. Um, whether they'll be able to beat that, uh, Real Madrid, I don't know, but uh, they're gonna, it should be a good match. Then we've got Barcelona playing at home against Cadiz, who are also in the relegation zone, so I think that should be a Barcelona win. Um Catafi and Valencia, who are both in the relegation battle, that should be an interesting one. Hopefully Valencia will get out of it because uh, I don't support Valencia, but they're a local team to us, aren't they? So you want to do, see them do well. Do you know what? As you're talking, I was thinking, wouldn't it be lovely if where you have a football club, you have to have an involvement with the local authority in the respect of controlling an aspect of the money? Because... You know, if there's a football stadium, people live around it. People who pay the taxes normally uh, inconvenienced uh, during the course of the game, uh, blah, blah, blah. 
Surely to goodness there must be enough money in Spain for Spanish clubs. Uh, well, there seemingly does seem to be that. Uh, whereas in Britain, it looks like it's just um, get on the open market and see what country you will bring the money in. Well, it does seem like that, doesn't it? But as we mentioned previously um, on previous podcasts, Vince, and all the listeners know, is the Premier League is the reference in um, domestic league football, isn't it, throughout the world. And it's the one that moves most money and it's the one that most people watch um, in, on a worldwide basis. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's all about money. There are a lot of Spanish teams that run under completely different um, rules than that. I mean, uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona, uh, um, they've got presidents, but they're actually owned by the supporters um, or shareholders, if you like, who are all supporters of the club. They're not owned by one big company. Um, but uh, Valencia is. Valencia is owned by this, uh, owned by this guy, uh, Peter Lynn, who we spoke about last week. But not all the teams are in Spain, now. OK. Well, let's have a look at what happened this week. Um, and we started off on Monday night with the Mersey derby. The way Liverpool had been playing, uh, anything could have happened. We could have lost about 4-0. Um, Everton had played Arsenal and beaten Arsenal by a goal to nil. Sean Dyche, the new manager effect, came in. Um, so what did you make of that game? Um, I actually enjoyed the game, Vince. Um, I think Liverpool Liverpool won 2-0 at the end, didn't they? Which I, I got exactly right, actually. We, we did both did quite well with them on our predictions last week. Um, but yeah, 2-0 at the end of the day. Um, I think Liverpool could have got more because Everton didn't... But they looked like they were in Frank Lampard to me, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I think Liverpool won it quite, not easily, but Liverpool, Everton didn't seem to be as fired up as they were when they played Arsenal. Um, hope they aren't this weekend either because they're playing us <laughs> and we're playing away. But, um, yeah, I think uh, Sean Dyche is going to have to give him a boot up the rear, isn't he? Well, look, before we get too carried away with Liverpool, we've got to remember that Everton had a corner. Um, the ball was headed against the post and then went the length of the field and Liverpool scored. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing is, before anybody else wants to start uh, singing the praises of Salah, if he'd have tripped over, um, it would have been, he still would have scored that one. Um, I mean, quite honestly, the biggest point for me was uh, Gakpo actually got a goal uh, and then some of his movement on the ball was really, really good Plus, the young lad who's in midfield at the moment, uh, he's a Spanish lad. Um, uh, I thought he played terrific. I uh, can't remember his name now, but um, he just had a great game, didn't he? Yeah, I think I think Liverpool looked good, actually, to be honest. And as you say, Mo Salah could have uh, scored that. Anyway, it was a sitter, wasn't it, basically? But he put the ball in the back of the net. Um, so he's getting paid £500,000 a week. I think he scored two goals this season. Um, so that's well worth it, isn't it? But yeah, Liverpool are, are making changes, aren't they? Um, they? They need to really renovate the squad because a lot of them are quite old. And as we mentioned, a lot of them are, are really tired Um to put it honestly, after playing so many matches at top level after so many seasons. So it's good to see that they're uh, getting some younger talent in. OK, so uh, I've got to say uh, that was a great result by the fact that we needed it. Uh, but when we come to look at the Premier re uh, Games this week, I think we're going to see that there might be, a, might be a reality check. But we'll see about that. Now, we've got two great games 
from the Manchester teams uh, this week as well. So uh, we had Arsenal playing against Manchester City at Arsenal. And it was a very good win for Manchester City, 2-1. What did you think of the game? I enjoyed that, actually. I, I Personally, I thought uh, Arsenal were going to win it. But um, but they didn't because City came back, didn't they? City were down and they, came, they got two goals in. Um, and City now have actually leapfrogged over um, over Arsenal um, and on points. They've got a, uh, they played a match more, but they're actually top of the division at the moment at Man City. And so they've caught up with Arsenal. There's one one game difference involved. That City at the moment at the top of the Premier League. And you were also telling us about a little team called Darvell in the Scottish leagues. Uh, obviously, it was a very very slow day for news when we were talking about this, but um, uh, they were beaten five one, so their dream came to an end. Um, uh, going to the Champions League, uh, I watched Milan playing Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Paris Saint-Germain, they lost at home to Bayern. Milan beat Tottenham Hotspur, but they, would, they didn't look convincing to me. Did you see that, those games? Um, I didn't actually, Vince. I listened to the uh, Milan-Spurs match on um, on Radio 5 Live, um, and I was keeping track of the other results, actually, um, while the match was going on, because obviously the commentators were telling us when goals had gone in and stuff. Um, but it, it sounded to me like a, quite a good match. Um but, but, yeah, Bayern Munich beating Paris Saint-Germain in Paris. Paris Saint-Germain are having a very dodgy season, actually. Um, they are still top of the uh, League One, I think, but they, they're they not the Paris Saint-Germain you would expect them to be. They've got a lot of problems in the changing room, apparently. Yeah, a lot of the arguments going on between the players. And um, they're not having a very good season by their standards. So I, th- I think Bayern should get it on the, on the uh, return match. There's no away goals this season either, Vince. Um, that started last um, season, also in the uh, Europa League, where if it's a draw on goals at the end of the second match, they'll play extra time, then go to penalties. Away goals don't count double it in, at this moment. So uh, I think Bayern have got the advantage. Um, Benfica beat uh, Club Brugge and Dortmund beat Chelsea. I listened to that one as well, actually, on the uh, radio. And uh, Dortmund... They're a force to be reckoned with, I think. That's uh, Jude Bellingham, uh, the English lad. He is absolutely excellent. He's, he's, a, he's a household name in Germany. Yeah. OK, um, I said uh, 2-1 Man City. It was 3-1, of course, because they got another late, late goal, didn't they? Um, right, exciting game. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah it was. Uh, exciting game last night. Barcelona 2, Manchester United 2. Uh, I couldn't watch it because I was doing something, but I did hear it and it was it was exciting to listen to. Did you watch that one? Uh, I did actually, Vince. I went out to watch that one because... Um, <clears throat> Not that I'm a big Man United fan, as uh, you and all the listeners know, but I'm not a Barcelona fan either, but there's a lot of Barcelona supporters around here. Um, and considering that it was a, um, a Thursday night, the, uh, the, the all sorts of bars had put the match on, and um, it was more or less like a weekend kind of atmosphere. But I thought it was a really good match, and uh, Marcus Rashford at the moment, he went off form, didn't he, after um, the COVID thing and all this... Uh, well, all this charity work he's been doing for children, he sort of seemed to forget about football for a while, but he's on fire at the moment. I mean, he got two goals in. He's scoring virtually every time he touches the ball. I, th- I think he's one of the he's one of the best English players, at least, with Marcus Rashford. I, I like him as a person, but I think he's an excellent player as well. 
I don't know him as a person, unfortunately, when you just watch these people on TV. Um, I mean, quite honestly, uh, yeah, football comments only for me for, for that one. Uh, I like him as a footballer. I think he's an exciting, very, very good player. Let's look at the... He's, he's, he's actually a nice lad, I think, Vince. I've read quite a lot about him and seen quite a lot about him. And uh, he comes from a very, very humble background in Manchester. And... Um, yeah, he's he's not he's not particularly articulate, but he 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 feels he's doing the right thing. So, I, yeah, I like him. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't dislike him. So put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't dislike him. No, yeah. I think think he's, think he's a great player. Um, okay, now we look at Saturday the eleventh, and um, Arsenal dropped a two points at home to Brentford. So again, worthy of note, we both thought that Arsenal would win that one. Uh, Bournemouth managed to keep a draw against Newcastle, which I think was good. You got that one, one, one. I thought Newcastle should have shaded it. Um, mm. Then uh, Crystal Palace and Brighton were one, one. We, I, I uh, thought two, two. You thought two, one. Fulham two, Notts Forest uh, nil. Two, one for me. Two, one for you also. Now um, I thought you should have maybe got a draw against Manchester United, but. Sadly, that wasn't to be, and uh, again, worryingly, uh, Leeds lost that one 2-0. Leicester, mm. I was amazed when I saw Leicester. I thought they'd do well, but I thought that Spurs would shade it, because if you go on form, that's the way it looked. And yeah. it was Leicester, 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 Leicester have got eight goals in the last two matches, I think, Vince. They've got, they've got four, in, four in each of the last two matches, so whatever Brendan Rodgers is doing there, I mean, he's doing the right thing. Well, I've got to hand it to you as well, because you thought they'd win 3-1. So, uh, well done for you. Um, uh, we both thought Liverpool would win that one against Everton. Uh, Man City, 3-1 against um, Aston Villa. We both got the correct score there, so that was good. Uh, mm -hmm. Southampton lost at home. Uh, Wolves... 2-1 and um, we thought that they, it they, they, sacked, they sacked their manager straight afterwards um, yeah. can't remember what it was called now the manager because he'd only been there for a few matches and he wasn't particularly well known but Southampton sacked, sacked him straight away after that match OK and then West Ham I thought Chelsea would shade that but again you got the draw so well done to you with a 1-1 um, which I think is morally a victory for West Ham uh, I mean Chelsea just for the money they've spent they just are underperforming so um, we'll give ourselves a little bit more time to slowly discuss what we think of the games coming up this weekend and we'll start with Villa who entertain Arsenal well, Arsenal will be uh, looking for something because Brentford won one and then losing against uh, Manchester City. I think this one will get them back on track. So I'm going to go um, Villa 1, Arsenal 3. What do you think? I've got it down as a 1-2 Vince to Arsenal because, uh, as you say, Arsenal have sort of tripped up over the last couple of matches and they want to get back on form. Villa are doing quite well, actually, at the moment. But um, Arsenal... I think Miguel Arteta uh, is going to give them a right uh, kick up the rear, if you like. And um, I think Arsenal should win it. If they don't, then a lot of the players are going to be in big trouble with him. Yeah, and also it might indicate uh, maybe a bit of a drop because, um, you know, we have seen this in other years when a, a club's come to the front and then, you know, they start losing a few games and they start falling. Um, we'll go to Brentford next. Brentford against Chris. Palace um, what do you think the score will be for that one what score did you give me for Villa by the way 
At 1-3 to Arsenal. Uh, oh, sorry, 1-2 one, one, from me, 1-3 from you. Yeah, OK. And uh, yeah. Brentford, Brentford Palace. Brentford Palace. Now, um, Brentford are doing really well this season. Um, Palace aren't doing that badly. But Brentford are having a, a, a really good season. So I think this will be 2-1 to Brentford. I've got down 2-1 to Brentford as well. And let me mm-hmm. just add in that um, I was watching BBC London and uh, they had uh, Patrick Re- Re- Vieira was... Um, well, he was complaining, I've got to say, that he was sort of given us enough vibes that he thought that uh, there weren't enough black managers in the Premier League. In fact, he cited 4%, which must be him. Um, and then uh, w- when he came to the coaches as well, um, there are only 14% hold the coaching badges. But you see, the difference between um, if you politically try to reconvene um, maybe a, interviews and things like that, and uh, you want to politically rewrite the uh, scenario, uh, then you can't quite do the same when we're talking about ownership and management of football clubs. Because if you're not careful, you play one or two games and you're out of a job. So um, I would imagine that um, there aren't... I don't think it's a race race issue. I think it's nonsense. Um, Yeah, I I, I don't think it's a race issue either, Vince, to be honest. I think... um, it should be a meritocracy, really, and it, it sometimes isn't because the the managers sort of just basically swap clubs, don't they? But I don't think there's any racist um, involvement. And next season, um, I think Palace are going to stay up. I don't know if Patrick Vieira will stay there, but Palace are more or less certain to stay up with the uh, lower teams fighting it out with themselves. But uh, I think we'll have another one because Vincent Kupney, um is the manager of Burnley at the moment, and um, he Burnley look. Almost certain to go up. There's nothing certain in football until the final whistle. But uh, yeah, Vincent Company um, is manager of them at the moment. So uh, yeah, at least there'll be two of them. Would you would you think this is a mad comment? Because when I think of Vincent Company, I don't think of a black man. I mean, seriously, he he's a gentleman. He's a really he's a really nice guy. Very well educated. Obviously, a great player with Man City. Doing a great job with Burnley, um, you know Patrick Vieira, another great player, another gentleman. I mean, you know, it's nothing to do with race. Um, no. So why? I, I never think of somebody. I never think of a person's colour, Vince, uh, except possibly to admire their skin tone. You know, it's uh, it's something. Yeah, I'm, I'm blind to, if you like, um, being prejudiced against somebody just because of the colour of their skin. No, there's good people and bad people everywhere, but um, good for you. Just colour of skin makes no, makes makes no sense to me. Well, uh, to be honest with you, that, that's how I feel. It really does get to me when they're trying to start. I mean, I don't know whether this is Patrick Vieira's own um, way that he feels, but um, you know, they wanted to make sure that he we ha- we had uh, a long interview in the middle of the news bulletin. Let's go to Brighton next. Then Brighton, yeah, uh, they're playing Fulham. Two very, very good, strong teams. I'm going for a 2-2 on this one. That's exactly what I've got, Vince. Yeah, um, yeah, because they're both going well. Brighton definitely wants a European place. They've never been to Europe before. I, th- I think full am. I think they might have been to Europe um, possibly before. But Brighton have never been in a European competition. And um, it should be a good match. I've got it down as a 2 all as well. OK. Uh, Chelsea. Now, they are providing us with all sorts of complications at the moment. Um, lots of money being spent and not really coming to fruition with the results. Chelsea take on Southampton. What do you think of this one? 
Well, Chelsea are doing nothing really out of this season, especially with the amount of money they've spent. But Southampton, as we know, are in a really bad situation at the moment. So I can't really see Chelsea losing this. I've got it down as a 2-0 to Chelsea. OK, I, th- I put 3-1. So yeah. we're on the same page with that one. Okay. If, 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 Wild, if Wild Prowse gets a free kick, then Southampton will get the one goal. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> OK. Everton leads. Now, uh what can I say? Your team, um, Everton, I never want Everton to do badly. As long as they finish a point behind Liverpool, I'm quite happy. So, I also like Leeds. Basically, it's a great team. I know it's your team, but it is a great team. Great history. Um, never, ever want Leeds to do anything but uh, do well. So, um, very difficult. I'll have to go for a draw, I think, because... This is my heart more than my football brain. Um, if I'm really going with my football brain, Everton should win this one. But knowing Leeds, they could come along and play scintillating football. I wouldn't know really. I'm going to go for a draw, 1-1. Well, Vince, um, this is really a six-pointer, isn't it? Bottom of the table clash. Um, I think Everton... Uh, I haven't got the table in front of me actually at the moment, but I think Everton could actually go above us and we go into a relegation position. We still haven't got a manager, Leeds. Um, Harry Redknapp has actually offered his services. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a Harry Redknapp at uh, Leeds, actually, because he'll, he'll, he'll get them into shape. But uh, we both teams need to win this, Vince, and uh, I can see it being a draw as well. I've got it down to two all. Did you, do you have it as a 1-1? One, 1-1 one? One, one for me. Yeah, I've got it to two all. OK, now we go to Manchester United. And after the win, uh, sorry, the draw against Barcelona, they will be buoyed up. But they've got a canny little team coming along called Leicester. So again, I don't think this is going to be an easy game for them. I can see Leicester um, on the uh, back of that win at Tottenham. I can see them looking pretty confident. It's going to be a tricky game. What do you think for this one? Well, there's no easy matches either, really, in the uh, Premier League, Vince, but uh, this is an interesting one as well. As you say, Man United going well, just drew against Barcelona, which was a good result for uh, Man United away. Um, they've never beat Barcelona at, uh, away before, um, but it was a draw last night. At Leicester City having a resurgence, but I can't see them doing it. I think this could be got pr- plenty of goals, I would say. I've got it down to 3 2 to Man U. OK, I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be 2 2. Um, mm-hmm. Newcastle, uh, Eddie Howe, done a great job. Now, the camels are all in the car park. Uh, there's a few shekels probably going into envelopes, even as I speak. Um, I'm, I'm joking, of course, but at the same... It, it, won't, it, it won't be shekels, Vince. That's the wrong currency, I'm afraid, mate. Listen, I don't trust anybody. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> um, OK, Newcastle playing some great football. The visitors are Liverpool... Uh, look, come on. Liverpool have got to try and get to where Newcastle are at the moment. So, uh, it's not an easy game. There's a few players beginning to look like they might be coming back for Liverpool, which should make a difference. Um, Bobby Firmino came on as a sub uh, during the Everton game. Um, Van Dijk is training. Um, we actually got Jotter on as well. Um, mm. Look... Could go either way, but I'm going for a draw on this one, 2-2. Right, Vince. Well, um, I've got a 1-1 down, actually. But um, Newcastle are starting to suffer from some injury problems. Um, Alan Sanchez, uh, 
not Sanjaman, uh, Alan San, whatever he's called, the uh, the French player. Um, he has got, um, I think, I think it's a calf injury, but he went down in the last match for the Newcastle, and he's not going to be playing for a while, I don't think. Um, but I've got it down as a one all Vince. Okay, now if Manchester City can go to Arsenal and win, then there's absolutely no reason why they can't go and do the same at Nottingham Forest. That's the match. Nottingham Forest nil, Man City three. That's for my money. What do you think? I've got it down as a 1-2, Vince. Uh, I think City should win it. Um, Forest are looking quite good at the moment. They're more or less in a, they're in a safe position as we speak at the moment. But City um, are going to go full, all out, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're at the top at the moment. They would have win every single match. I've got it down as a 1-2. Spurs, uh, they obviously lost uh, heavily against Leicester. They will be hosting West Ham. They've lost in the Champions League. West Ham, um, London Derby, could go either way this one, um, but I think Spurs will have to bounce back because if they lost in the Champions League, lost in the Premier League and then lose to West Ham, then uh, that will be asking some very serious questions. So I'm going to go Spurs 2, West Ham 1. Uh, right, uh, I've got it down to a 2-0 actually uh, towards uh, for Spurs. But you know, you know Antonio Conte um, had an operation a couple of weeks ago. Yes. So, so, he's, so he's been off pitch side. And um, he's back now. And he can't, he's not animated as he used to be just yet because he's still in recuperation. But they aren't going to let him down, I don't think. Um, the Spurs players are really happy to see him back. So I've got it down to 2-0. Okay, and then we have uh, the last of the games. Wolves play Bournemouth. And I had to think long and hard about this one because uh, Bournemouth have just uh, had a reasonably good result. Uh, Wolves also, um, you know, they they, they scrape the wins. And, um, yep, they're at home. I'm going to put them down as a 1-0 to Wolves. That's exactly what I've got, Vincent, exactly the way I was thinking. Um, Wolves seem to scrape by with one goal wins, don't they? They beat Leeds that way, 1-0. And Bournemouth, unfortunately, had a good start, but they... Well, they've plummeted since then. I've got it down to 1-0 as well, Vince. OK, I've got to quickly say in passing that there were some women's international friendlies uh, that have been playing sort of on today's date. Netherlands drew with Austria 0-0. USA beat Canada in the Something Cup. Um, And then Argentina beat Chile 4-0. New Zealand... Nil, Portugal five. Um, I can't get excited. It, 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 England played last night, didn't they? England women's team against um, South Korea, and it's something called something like the Arthur Smith Cup or something like that. It's called, and um, they played they they played in Milton Keynes of all places. I mean, and this was an international match. I think um, I don't know. I think England won. Um, but I didn't actually check the result. I, I was following it more or less um, throughout the match, the, just the results. But I, I think England won it quite easily. But yes, it's um, all a bit pointless, I'd say. Well, I've got to put my hand up and say, look, come on, you know, get a life. I don't know about you, Rob. I, I try to follow the football intelligently, but you see, there's too much football. Who, who are people trying to kid me? 
um, that, that this is not some way to keep us all occupied and, and uh, talking about football as um, maybe uh, pff, other things are happening. You know, I think quite honestly, um, much as uh, I used to champion the ladies game, I really did when I was down in Cornwall and uh, they used to really think that I was a weirdo trying to teach the girls how to play football and rugby. Um, and obviously they were on the judo and all this sort of thing, you know. But, um, I mean, times have changed. And now, I mean, I'm just waiting for the first Transgender World Cup, you know, uh, which they might just about make uh, one team, never mind two teams, but somebody be there trying it on. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know about you, Rob. But you see, we're getting to a stage uh, where common sense is flying out of the window just as we speak. And you think to yourself, well, what other aside is going to come up? You, you know, um, it, it's like last week we were talking about uh, just as Manchester City should be worrying about uh, one thing, another thing happens. And so, uh, you know, we're not too sure whether or not uh, that's just coincidental. Um, or whether all these games join the, the 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 week, you know, is it is it really to distract us? I really don't know anymore. I, I really can't tell you. Uh, I haven't a clue either, Vince. Really, to be honest, um, but th- there is far too much football, and um, I've got nothing against women playing football. As you know, uh, uh, as I mentioned to you before, and the listeners, that Esperanza's two youngest daughters, the twins, um, started playing football in Germany when they were about six years old. And um, they were both really good, actually. Um, one, one of them, because they're Barcelona supporters as a family, um, and they watched it on, on streaming online in Germany, all the Barcelona matches, Try, tried to play it like Messi, and she was really good. But um, that's accepted in Germany because it's been going on, I don't know for how long, but a long time. But having this um, women's Super League and things like that just sort of like put into the frame as though... It's, some, it's something traditional that we've always had. And it isn't. It's only happened over the last couple of seasons, hasn't it, that uh, we've all been been made aware of uh, women's football. I know you were a champion of it before when it was, like, low-key, and uh, so was I. But... Um, I'm not against it now, but I just don't enjoy watching it. Well, for me, you see, there's just too much going on. I mean, we haven't even mentioned the the championship, which is the the league down from the Premier League. And the football standard is absolutely uh, first class. Uh, there's some really, really good games. We haven't looked at um, League One and League Two because basically, again, it's just time. And we've only got so many minutes to get through the hour that uh, our podcast is. And we haven't even talked about the National League, uh, where, of course, the wonderful uh, escapades of um, Wrexham. Wrexham, yeah. I mean, they they just go on. I mean, it would be lovely to see them come up into Division 2. It looks like it could go uh, that way. But, I mean, um, there's all sorts that we could talk about with those type of issues. But... Um, you know, at the beginning of the week, I've got to look and think, well, hang on, we've not talked about that, though we have talked about something else and we need to talk about this. Um, and then, of course, uh, whilst you're distracted, there's about, you know, 20 friendlies in the ladies game, you know, and, and then you think, oh, blimey, you know, where does it all end? So that's the way I feel about it, Rob. Um, I, I always enjoy the football, but I just feel that there is far too much. And um, I wonder where we'll get sanity, because I don't see it coming at the moment. Well, we'll just wait and see, won't we, Vince? But uh, the way things are generally in the world, I don't think we're going to see sanity um, in the near future, at least. So, uh, yeah, we've 
we might as well talk about football, haven't we? But, which is what we enjoy doing. And we gallop through a lot of uh, topics every week, don't we? So I hope, uh, I know that we enjoy it. I hope the listeners enjoy it as well. Lovely. Rob, as ever, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Obviously, looking forward to, we're back to our regular time on Thursday of next week, Rob. We'll catch you then. Yeah, my pleasure, Lawrence. 